Two gentlemen walk into university together. One goes and becomes an incredible director and creates music videos for Sigur Rós and Kylie Minogue. The other becomes the CEO of a prestigious brand and founds a successful creative agency. As you would expect, their friendships last and their paths cross a few times. But one day they both feel they're ready for a new challenge. Next stop, start a sustainable underwear company? You bet. My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and this is Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the people who shape it. My guests, yes, plural, this week are Christian Larson and Andreas Palm, founders of the Swedish brand CDLP. Christian, Andreas, and I chat about their roots growing up in Sweden and why they both walked away from their previous careers. We also discuss why sustainability is so important to their brand and how they're going about doing it. Andreas and Christian, you guys are on the pod. Um, how you doing? Fantastic. So good. Thank you. Thrilled to be on this podcast. I've been yeah. looking for it. Yeah. And I was, you know, I took a walk this morning in New York City and and uh and had uh, your your voice in my head and um, oh, no. yeah. <laughs> and oh, no. got into the vibe. <laughs> it was great. And here we are now sitting here live. Yeah. I know, looking out over New York City. So wanted to chat with both of you guys about not only your background, but your brand. Um, you guys make for, I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier. You guys make unbelievable underwear, which is like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not really into underwear, but all of a sudden I am now. <laughs> well, great. <laughs> like, so we'll, we'll chat a little bit about that. But like, first off, we're, you guys are both from Sweden? Same spot? Both from Sweden. Yeah. Almost uh, the same spot. I'm from a small town outside of Stockholm, but we are both located in, in Stockholm. I'm from a small town called Stockholm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stockholm is a small town. We're, we're small town boys from Sweden. Wait, how many, how many people live in Stockholm? Just for... I would say around 2 million. Okay. So, I mean, it's not super small. It's just small when you start traveling around and come to cities like this. Yeah. Although we really enjoy being there. I would I love having it as a, as a base. But if, if, our, if our job didn't involve travel, we would probably be, feel a little bit stuck. Yeah, we're there for too long, mm-hmm. but it's an amazing city. I yeah. love Stockholm. And did you guys both grow up in Sweden? Yeah, yeah. both of us. Uh, I I had um I did like <coughs> an exchange student year here in in London, and so I've been traveling since I was a kid, and love it. But yeah, predominantly in Stockholm. What's life like growing up in Sweden? I mean, we won't get too deep into this, but I am very fascinated about Scandinavian culture, and I, I just. I don't know, like the, the Swedish life, everything seems a little bit better. <laughs> I mean, I would say it's very, it's very safe. Okay. It's very calm. Um, safe, you mean like security wise? It's very, yeah, it's very safe, secure. Right. And, you know, you have a lot of freedom, uh, not a lot of threats. You know, you can... A big social safety net. Yeah. Which oh. means like, you know, free healthcare. And if something happens to you, someone will take care of you. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you go to school, um, university is free. Um, you know, that's pretty crazy. So we yeah. both went to university. That's how we met, and and it's a free school. And you know, um, we we were very gra- grateful that that exists in our country. But and and you realize that when you start to travel that that's something you can't take for granted in the rest of the world. So we're very blessed to be from our little small. Absolutely, I would country. say also we were very influenced. Like Sweden has its country, but very influenced by American popular culture as we grew up, because we have our own TV shows. But like everything you watch was American. So what what, what were you watching? Like what did you guys grow up watching? I'm a few years older than Kristen, so I watched I watched Dallas. Yeah, when that was running in like Falcon Crest. Um, okay, and then um, yeah, of course, like MTV and everything that came. Uh, you know, after that, I became big after that. But yeah. So all those all those shows and everything was just very influenced. You know, we were influenced by American culture. Right, right. So we, you said you both met in school. What were you guys studying? Uh, business and economics. How about you? Yeah, same. But you have a like a film and photography background, right? Yeah, I, I'm a college dropout. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what, what do you mean? What, what happened? We met well, before I, he dropped out. Yeah. We, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I've always had a, a passion for for uh, film storytelling, uh, photography, uh, especially film and, and and film that goes together with music. So um, I was producing music when I was when I was younger. Uh, then that ventured into editing and filmmaking. So I was like, sh- I was a skateboarder, filming, shooting, uh, and it all came together for me in the editing 
uh, in the editing room. So really? editing became my passion. Um, so while I was in business school, I was very bored of studying. I kept getting uh, every film job I could, could like corporate jobs and everything. Um, and one day I got offered a job to be a, like a uh, editing assistant, logging tapes for a, quite a famous Swedish film director. Yeah. Uh, so I did that and um, saw the material and I saw 35mm film for the first time and I was blown away about the quality and the richness of, of the real film stock. Right. Um, and uh, so I just took the opportunity and edited something together for this director, a little sample reel. Um, and I sent it to him. I found his email on a, on a call sheet. Um, so I sent it to him and like, hi, hi I'm, I'm the logger. <laughs> Put together some visuals for you for, to, so you can see a sample of, the, of what you shot. So you, you gave him his own material edited by you. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty dope. Yeah. And then they kicked <laughs> off the other editor and I got offered a job. Wait, really? Yeah. It was this, because you did like a Beyonce thing, right? Yeah. And I, I think that, so I, I, editing was very easy for me. I, I, had a, I had a very rhythmical background from drumming and dancing and, and, and music. Um, so I think I did one music video with him and the second one was this uh, Lady Gaga and Beyonce telephone music video. Right. That's, that was a pretty big video. Yeah. That was my second music video I, I ever edited. Holy cow. So you had a telephone video here and you had a statistics exam here. That you <laughs> yeah. Like, what should I choose? <laughs> but when I was offered that job, it, it was very easy for me. I, I dropped out of school and I, I got offered uh, an opportunity to work with this director and he taught me everything about filmmaking and editing uh, um, specifically. And I, I loved it. I loved every, every, every moment of it. And I spent hours and hours and years in an editing room learning everything about that craft. That's, that's pretty heavy. I mean, yeah. and that's, that's, it's interesting, like, n not to get too, like, deep into the concept of, like, higher education, but I feel that a lot of people, so much of the experience that they value the most was the experience in the trade that they're trying to be in versus the, the, the classroom. Yeah. And I mean, I know there's different types of people who learn in different ways, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's got to be it just totally, you know, like, in, invaluable to just to have that like experience like making videos with Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great and and I got to learn so much and and uh I, I kept on my careers and I, I wanted to be an editor. Um and then that grew into the the the, the um uh, my goal my goal turned into being a, a director. So I started to direct more on the side and finally got uh representation in London and moved to London and pursued a directing career. Whoa. And in yeah. uh you directed a Sigaros video? Yeah, I did the music videos for Sigaros, Kylie Minogue, um, and other bands. And then I did some fashion projects. And, and then I ventured over into commercial filmmaking. So I've done campaigns for everything from Beast by Dre to Pepsi to luxury brands like um, Cartier, Mercedes, Lexus, etc., etc. So I, I, I have a very, very um, fond interest and passion for uh, for brands and especially heritage brands right. and storytelling in general i think so visual storytelling within brands is something that have always excited me since i was a kid and i think that's what i've brought on to to this project right and andres you had this business background because mm -hmm. i mean obviously you go to business school but you had mm -hmm. been doing stuff before that um, I started business school um, almost straight after I went from high school. I really? did a couple of years where I kind of did nothing. I was a bouncer. And then I started... Then Wait, I st bouncer like security guard? Yeah. Whoa. At nightclubs. <laughs> <laughs> I even didn't have a plan to go to business school then. I didn't have a clue what I was going to do. And then I, I, I got into business school and I found, uh, I felt that this, this feels interesting and, you know, right. this could be an adventure. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I was at, at the, the Stockholm School of Economics where Christian and I met. And um, I went into banking. I did internships with like Morgan Stanley, okay, Lazards, investment banks. Um, wasn't really my thing. Spending hundred hours a week with the same people, uh, you know, every week. Yeah. So uh, tried a couple of different things. I tried with Procter and Gamble, and then I got a big opportunity to be um, to take on the role as CEO for a Swedish designer called Anne Sophie Back. She was based in London at the time, showed a lot of fashion weeks. We was super hyped and like very avant-garde, but yeah. couldn't really make it commercially. Um, and I thought it was a super exciting uh, opportunity. So I went over there. To London? At, to London. Okay. And at the same time, I started a business together with my brother, which was a brand experience agency. And I felt one of these should take off. <laughs> I didn't really, I didn't really have, I didn't really dare to say no to Morgan Stanley, a full-time position with right. one product because I, you know, I didn't know if it would take off with her right, or right. with my brother. 
but I had two projects, and I felt it's worth to take the, the, this uh, to take a chance and, and see if something something should take off. <laughs> right. So I was kind of going back and forth between London, where she was based, and where and Stockholm, where I was running this business with my brother. And um, eventually, the brand experience agency took off, um, and uh, we built it into a business of uh, with thirty people full time, um, revenues of uh, fifty million dollars. Um, holy and, uh, shit and we did it for about i was the ceo for the first eight years and then i kind of felt and me and Kristen then was i was always i was joining him on his fin projects he was joining me on these trips because we mostly did his events abroad for clients like spotify or samsung and and um we both felt like we we there was another chapter for us and you know we had something it was like we had something else in us uh that we that we wanted to explore and also as best friends that we became pretty quickly after we met we um we felt that we want to do something together yeah because you two in in terms of your background are very complementary of each other but also polar opposites in the sense that you know like like uh christian you have this this background that's all creative storytelling and you know it, it doesn't sound like when you're any of the stuff that you're doing you're thinking about like business or scale you're you're thinking about how do i tell the best story mm-hmm. and andreas you are basically taking these people these storytellers and helping them make a living to continue telling their story yeah like absolutely so mm-hmm. wh- wh- what are like are you guys just staying in contact over the years like what is this no it was it was pretty cool um i, I think that we both share a passion for adventures and <laughs> And, and passionate passionate about um, when I say adventure, I mean traveling, exploring new things, trying new things. It's uh, getting out in the world. I getting think. out in the world and yeah. really being leaving um, Stockholm fearless. to see what is out there. Yeah, see <laughs> right. what's and I think I think a lot of people in Stockholm, you know, it's, it's very easy to be content in Stockholm because it's as you say, it's a very easy life, and you can do, you know, you can work at the Spotify's, you can do everything over there, right. and it's beautiful and it's like safe. And then there's a few people that feel that you know we need to. We need to get out and see what's out there. And I think Chris and I found that we shared that very early, that we need to get these adventures. And I was out um, uh, in my film career, uh, shooting projects everywhere. And being a film director in in the commercial world uh, means a lot of traveling. So I was basically on a tour nonstop, year after year, uh, living out of a suitcase, uh, traveling around from shoot to shoot. Um, Sweden is a very dark and cold country. Uh, we have some <laughs> locations, but <laughs> but for most most brands that I was working for, not ideal to shoot in. <laughs> right. Nine, nine, month out, my, my, nine, nine months month out of 12 is going to be dark. <laughs> it's going to be dark. <laughs> very short at least. At, days. At least, at least seven. Um, so I was out on the road uh, traveling and Andreas's business was, was flooring and, and um, you also did a lot of traveling. And we really shared this passion for exploring new places and new things and and unfortunately we got the opportunity to to, to meet up here and there um, okay. so after a project or a shoot um, we would meet up somewhere or um, even more so um, he came to visit me on my shoots and even helped me and um, sometimes I I went on his trips and, and helped him so we we I think we're both very like genuine and wanted to help each other's career so i helped him with his business and his storytelling uh, right. with his brand and he helped me to to manage my career um and uh when you w- we struck up this really close bond and friendship it was incredible like it was the first time i felt like i met someone that shared that same passion for exploring um and f- and uh, as best friends, you you when you travel, you share hotel rooms. I mean, we were not, we didn't have lots of money. We you share hotel rooms, right, right. And inevitably, it's cozier and and, and it's, it's fun. It's less expensive. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. You, know, you live, you, you travel around with your best friend. You stay in the same hotel rooms. Inevitably, you see each other in underwear a lot. Cause yeah, you hang out in underwear. <laughs> right. You don't walk around with pants if you're in a hotel room. You walk around in underwear. No, I I can totally testify to this. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and one day we looked at, and and I mean me me and Andres, um, we both share um an interest in in style and and we care about what we wear. We're yeah. not we're not super edgy fashion forward streetwear guys but we we care about the garments that we have also living life on the road you you care about the few garments that you pack along um and you don't have like this really extensive wardrobe so i guess the 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 singular garments they start to be more important in what quality they are how long they last how they look etc yeah um and one day we just looked at each other and you know we would compliment 
in each other on what we would wear from day to day. And then one day we saw each other and then we we're like, what the hell are you wearing? Like, what is that? We came to a point where we couldn't really ignore the fact that <laughs> the underwear that we're wearing were hideous. Most brands up until, you know, most brands in underwear look the same. It's a big logo. It's, um, you yeah. know, pa- fa- patterns. It's star colors. I think I had like a, a lime green waistband. Okay. <laughs> which is horrible. Why would you wear a white lime green waistband? And the only reason you would do that is, is because you don't have any options. Right. So I think it was not about the brands. It was most like we, we didn't really... We didn't really appreciate uh, the underwear that we wear, wore. Right. And quality-wise, they were just, you know, always the, mis- the, the kind of failing link in your, in your, in your suitcase. <laughs> right. Um, you it was know, the cheapest, it- cheapest, uh, cheapest fabric, the cheapest cotton made in China, uh, and with these big logos. And it yeah. really didn't, it didn't, it didn't match the rest of the outfits. It was always the weakest link. And we started to, to look for options and see, okay, well, what are the alternatives out there? And we realized that really quickly that there weren't... Uh, a lot to choose from uh, and we asked ourselves so what do people that we look up to like you know does people great men inspiring uh, creatives or whatever do they wear the same thing like the, <laughs> does no, Sean, Sean Penn wear, Sean Penn wear <laughs> these lime green stupid pants that I'm wearing yeah. and also the 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 Jonas Orkel in the the film director Chris spoke but also a guy that we look up to like stylistically and the way he dresses and his style like I can't imagine him wearing underpants like this. What does he wear? And that's that was like the starting point. A starting point for a discussion about, you know, could we actually fix this? Yeah. So, yeah. Can we save these men <laughs> and help ourselves? How do you do market research for these people? Because like we underwear ask, is very intimate. <laughs> yeah. We ask people. It's funny. We had a we had a staff clinic this yesterday morning here in New York, and, right. and we ask people what you normally wear, and people are kind of private with this. But we've been asking yeah. this now for five years, so, for yeah, us it comes so very naturally. For us it's very natural, right? But now. you see, <laughs> and a lot of people are like, "What market research have you done? Do you have any numbers?" The number one market research is just asking a guy what kind of underwear he's wearing and if he's you know happy about it. And no one has ever been happy about it. That we ask, if you ask a guy about you know his sneakers or his watch or his suit or whatever it is, yeah, he can talk about it for a long time and he's super proud with the choices he's made. But we have up until now never met a guy who's like, I wear this and I'm super happy with it. So that is like the number one market research that we've done yeah. uh, that convinced us like no one is really happy with what they're wearing. Yeah. When I first met you guys, I, I was telling you, I was like, oh, I, I basically, and I have no problem saying this, like I was only wearing Calvin Klein because I was told that it was cool. And like, you know, I saw, you know, Marky Mark ads and things like that, and I wanted to be cool. Mm-hmm. But to be honest with you, the, you know, the underwear I was wearing, I don't know, like as my body shape changes and comfort and some stuff, you're just used to being uncomfortable. And you're like, well, I mean, that's just, that's just what it means to wear underwear. Like it's just, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be It's like a non-decision. Like this is what you wear and this is what you're going to continue to buy. Yeah. Or you're like people's mom purchases it for them, their girlfriend. And yes, it's not non-decision. Whereas they put a lot of effort into other parts of the wardrobe. Yeah. So it's weird. And at the same time, I, Around this time, I was shooting a campaign for the lingerie brand, Agent Provocateur. Um, Which is an incredibly prestigious lingerie brand. A very prestigious yeah. lingerie brand, incredible branding, incredible storytelling. And um, the the exciting thing as a commercial film director is that you get to be thrown into these worlds of brands. Right. Um, and, um, um, and I was... Uh, they talk a lot about how they empower women to feel great about themselves. Not so much about being sexy for other people, but to add confidence and, and empowerment as the first layer you put on in the morning. Right. Um, in addition to that, uh, I think women historically choose underwear and have always done, they choose underwear occasionally based on what they're wearing or what the occasion is. Right. So, you know, uh, most women wouldn't wear the same uh, underwear with this dress as with that uh, suit or, you know, for working out, being comfortable or going on a date. You know, right, right. there'd be very distinct decisions made here about what lingerie you would wear. Um, and, uh, uh, and this whole, like, self-empowering thing in occasional underwear, as a guy, I, 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 I looked at it and I was like, I want this too. But left out. <laughs> I felt left out. No, like why? Why is lingerie always been exciting? Why is it always like something cool about what women wear underneath? Yeah. And why is it never like that for men? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I basically yeah, it's the same 
underwear, it's like, oh, well, <laughs> I'll just put this on. Oh, you're going to go running. You're going to be a little more active. That's eh, fine. I'll yeah. just wear the same thing. Exactly. exactly. It's so, like, oh, well, that's, that's what men say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what most men say. And I would, I would argue that most men would, would wear the same if they're out in the woods, you know, out chopping woods. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or going on a date, it would be the same pair of underwear. Uh, hopefully in a better shape if you're going out to be present yourself <laughs> most to men have like a friday night pair which is like the same as the like same style and and, model yeah. and and brand as other ones it's just in in less bad shape okay <laughs> like, so so with this with with this experience um we started to discuss like why 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 is this and and what if a product that we could design what if it could actually add something to your day what if it could make you feel better about yourself what if it um, was even okay to say as a man, I'm going to put these on, put these underwear on to make myself feel sexier. Yeah. I mean, which is a, a, a little bit of a, a tough line for some people because they view, oh, as soon as I start caring about underwear, exactly, that's going to mean all these other things about me. True. That I like, personally, I mean, I, I want to care about all that stuff. But a lot of you either don't know how or you're kind of intimidated, like, what does this ripple effect have across the rest of my wardrobe, you know, when I start being choosy about my underwear? Very much so. Yeah. And I think every man shared that same, the same idea. Yeah. Uh, however, I would argue that when we started to talk about this, we felt that, I guess in our friendship, we started to be very comfortable discussing these things with each other. For sure. Uh, we started to be very comfortable about discussing masculinity as a theme mm. and we also felt that we could we could have these discussions with men around us we felt that all of a sudden in the universe something had happened something had changed it started to be a little bit more okay for guys to talk about these things to be open about these things mm. and i think everyone in the world likes to feel great naked likes to look good naked yeah. I, I, it's the goal. I generally think that's that. the goal I, I generally think that everyone <laughs> wants to look good naked yes if we can if we can help that process a little bit by uh, you know creating garments that would that would um uh that would make you um feel a little bit better like that then perfect I'm headed back to Italy this summer for none other than PT Womo and you better believe I'm packing all my gear and my away carry-on Away creates thoughtful standards for modern travel, universal pieces that reflect your personal travel style and make every trip more seamless. Whether it's the TSA-approved battery or a built-in front pocket, Away luggage comes in a range of colors and materials that suit your travel style. All suitcases are made with a premium German polycarbonate that is impeccably strong. I've been using my Away carry-on for over a year on dozens of trips and it still looks new. It's funny too because once you get one of these, you really feel like you're in a club. I notice other folks with their away luggage and I'm like, oh, hey, dude, what's up? Oh, yeah, you got one too? Oh, yeah, what are you doing? Charging your phone? Nice, me too. Right now, Away is giving Blamo listeners $20 off their purchase. Visit awaytravel.com forward slash Blamo and use promo code Blamo at checkout. Don't even worry about shipping. Away has you covered. Last but not least, Away offers a 100-day trial. Live with it, vibe with it, travel with it, Instagram it. If at any point you decide it's not for you, return it for a full refund, no questions asked. So visit awaytravel.com forward slash Blamo and use Blamo code at checkout and get away this summer. So so where do you go? So you're like, okay, we're both into this idea. We want to make underwear. We want to, you know, try to do something that's going to be a little bit different. But I mean, that's... It's it's one thing to have an idea, and it's another thing to actually carry out that idea. So, like, how did you go about? I mean, did you make samples? Did you? Yeah. Like, what was it like? It was a long like? process. We we started out asking ourselves, why don't the brands that we like make underwear? So, Marty Margiela, Rick Owens, and some other brands they don't make underwear. So, oh, yeah, you're right. So, yeah. and we were like, is there a reason for that? Um, we wasn't really sure, but we could just see that. Okay, so a lot of the brands that we like don't make underwear, and the, a lot of the brands that make underwear they don't really make underwear. They just sell the license. Oh, really? Same thing. Absolutely. Same thing with, with, with perfumes. So I used to work at Procter & Gamble in Geneva. And very few people knew that most of the perfumes that you buy are, are, are sold on license to Procter & Gamble or L'Oreal. Because it's oh. not core business. Same thing goes for underwear. So most of the brands, uh, most of the major brands you know, they produce underwear on license. And, or they sell the license so they get money from it. 
and they let someone else produce it. And these firms that produce it, they don't have an incentive to make anything, you know, improve or innovate because the customer is still, it's like still a non-decision. You still buy the stuff that, that you always bought. So there's been, we, 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 we realized there's been really no innovation in terms of fabric, in terms of look, in terms of the feeling that men are able to feel when they get put on good underwear. Right. Or this confidence that Christian speaks about. So that was the starting point, just like doing some research on that. And uh, then, then, then starting to see, so where do these brands produce and, 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 and what kind of fabrics are there that could kind of like provide um, a new experience when you put these pants yeah. on? And we realized that most, most of these big, big selling brands, um, all the big ones, we don't need to mention the sure. brand names, but they all produce in China. And more, more specifically, most of them produce in the same city in China. And as much as Jeez. some numbers, I can't fact I can't prove this as fact, we have but, a number but up, up against uh, up towards eighty uh, percent of men's underwear in the world is, is made in the same city in China. In okay. the underwear city, yeah, in the underwear, <laughs> the under, city. The underwear yeah. city. So wow. we went. So we went there. <laughs> we, had, we had to see it. Yeah, we had to see it. <laughs> so you, you like you went and like went to the factories and stuff. Yeah. yeah so yeah. we set up some meetings. Um, managed to find some contacts that led to 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 a couple of meetings. Um, we packed our suitcases. and went to China. We sat in a car from Hong Kong for four or five hours. Holy moly! Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, um, we got into these big manufacturing places and uh, got greeted with these tea ceremonies. Um, and by one an hour tea ceremony, one hour tea ceremony to start talking business. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I love that. And um, um, I think that we were just greeted by a very non-passionate attitude towards making a good product. There was just no passion anywhere. This we came in and were super excited, and we yeah. said we want to make the best underwear in the world. And we had no attraction whatsoever. And who can blame them? Because they have these brands that say, you know, let's produce another, you know, 10 million pants or whatever it is. And yeah. just doing the same as last season. And then we come and want to ask about new fabrics and new, how can we make this better? And they're, they're not like, interested in doing um, that. Why would they? <laughs> of yeah. course. So we had no traction. It was great being there, but no one listened to us. Yeah. We, we really we really understood, okay, so um, there's really an opportunity for us to make something different here. Um, so we started to look around, if we would not produce here, where could we make great product? Um, so we started to travel around the world. Um, we early on decided that we wanted to bring pro- production closer to where we were from. So yeah. as we designed everything in, in, in Sweden, we said, okay, well, we would like to make this in Europe. So we started to visit European countries. Um, and lots of them um, until we settled in Portugal, um, where we finally met a family-owned um, factory that really uh, we struck up a really nice bond with, um, and we shared a passion for creating a great product. Yeah, in a small scale. I mean, that's important to say. We were not backed by any financiers. We this was me and Andreas wanted to create a great product. So you're self-financed. Yeah, uh, we were. We okay. were at that point. We, yeah. Now we've raised a little bit of capital. Ninety percent of underwear sold is made of cotton. Yeah, uh, cotton is actually uh, is is a pretty bad choice of material for underwear. Uh, why? Because uh, cotton is uh, the, the 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 scale of cotton manufacturing nowadays is really bad for the environment. So that's the first thing. Secondly, cotton is uh, it, it absorbs moisture, which is not great for men's underwear. Yeah, uh, we sweat more. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah, a fact. Sure. Um, it doesn't hold color very well. Um, it doesn't uh, it doesn't hold shape very well. Uh, so the only kind of benefit of using cotton for underwear is that it's 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 pretty comfortable when it's new and dry, right? And it's also pretty cheap, and it's very cheap, which means that these um, licenses have higher margins because yeah. they buy cheap and and they sell it expensive because they put a brand on it. Yeah, I mean there are people that sell. There's a brand that they're selling underwear now like a hundred dollars a pair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for one pair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I high mean, margins. Yeah, <laughs> high margins. Very much. <laughs> but we um um. We realized there's been a tons of textile innovation, um, you know, within in the, in the, especially in the last 10, 15 years, to solve these issues of the extensive cotton manufacturing, etc. Right. So there are great fabrics out there to choose from, more practical, more more um, uh, more performance based um, um, fabrics, and they're kinder to the environment. So in the end, we settled for this incredible new fabric called Lyocell. So Lyocell has all the all the benefits over cotton. It's it's um it's a whole fully sustainable material. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, derived from wood pulp. 
um, and mainly eucalyptic trees um, right. that grows really fast. So you you don't waste a lot of a lot of trees. They grow up fastly again. Um, secondly, it's it's uh, created in a closed loop process. So um, um, all the water that you use for cotton is goes to waste. Whereas in this this process, um, you can reuse about ninety eight percent of it. Yeah, so that's one of the keys. The water waste is much less than cotton. Wow. And it's also non-toxic, so... Yeah, because that was the thing I was going to ask, because, you know, if you're basically using this, even though it's renewable, the amount of water that it takes to continue, mm -hmm. you know, air quote, like renewing it... Yeah. Um, that's that's huge. That's the big yeah. difference. Yeah, it's a it's a really kind fabric like that. So this is the fabric that we we decided to to use, and we designed our first small collection of two styles, <laughs> very small scale. Yeah. Um, then when it came to the packaging, um, I wanted to to celebrate this garment as this is something new that we created and i wanted to feel more like buying lingerie for a woman um but you buy great underwear for yourself so we spent a lot of time designing the brand designing the packaging that comes in a beautiful yellow boxes now um the the last part of this whole thing is that in men's underwear for for a long time um i mean we talk about women's the portrayal of women has been very kind of um stereotypical especially in lingerie for a long time. And I think we've seen a change now for the last 10 years that it's been better. You know, it's not as sexist. It's, it, you know, it's a lot you of... You don't see the push-up bras as much as you did before. Yeah, and, the, and there's it's also a bit more celebration of different body types. Definitely. Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. Totally. But in men's underwear, there has been little change. You know, like we, we, you step into the big department stores and you look at all the, all the brands being featured on the walls. Yeah. And it's a very kind of old school stereotypical portrayal of masculinity it's these kind of oiled up athletic dudes in black and white flexing their abs yeah 22 year old soccer players yeah we couldn't relate <laughs> we just could not relate to this and it's like we were just frankly quite surprised like is this is this, this is not okay the the portrayal of masculinity is important this is deep stuff. It is pretty deep stuff. No, I mean, I, I say this because I think it's important for me to try to distinct the difference of you guys aren't just being like, hey, like, we just want to make something cool. And so we found some stuff. And we're like, this is cool. And let's do it. Like, this is very personal to you, what it sounds like. like you, Absolutely. It's it, a, it has a dual purpose for us. Yeah. We needed, uh, we needed underwear that we felt good in. <laughs> and we also wanted to portray men that inspire us instead of just having these same stereotypical guys on the on the covers yeah yeah but there's some you know to jump to your branding because yeah my first interaction with cdlp was very i was like really really impressed and then when i talked with you guys you're like yeah it's just us because the branding that you do it would be a shame to not communicate the how the scale and the quality that you need to do and and create when you're making something like underwear, because mm. the people that you're sort of up against are people that have obscene marketing budgets, you yeah, know, like sure. just tons sure. and tons. And what the stuff that you guys have produced mm. is not only, you know, we'll talk about this in a minute, was not only like with your friends, but this was something that it, it, the, the production of it was far beyond anything I could comprehend than like a black and white background with, you know, this massive person that cost 30 million dollars to just walk on set you know so this was like i was very very caught off guard by by how put together the branding was only because unfortunately i'm this kind of cynical jaded dork <laughs> so i was like well i don't know if it's gonna and i was like oh damn like respect like this is really really good i mean the the even the photography style because i mean I'll, I'll let you explain this in a second but just like the models that you have they're like friends of yours right yeah, we've, we've today we've friends. only shoot we've only shot friends, which is pretty nuts. And then you're you're shooting these campaigns on like vacation, or what? <laughs> yeah, we do a little photography trips and we, we try to we combine them. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that needs to when you see the pictures, you see it's not a studio and it's not no. like a higher model. So you know, one of the campaigns we shot here last year, we went here with uh, invited two friends and we shot them at the Bowery. Kristen shot them in in the gym. And in the room, and uh, we did the same thing in Tokyo this this fall, and it's like it's like really close friends that we would go with anyway. Yeah, and it just I think that you can really see that in the pictures. So, what are I mean? Obviously, you guys go and you create this brand, mm. but in terms of actually keeping and maintaining a brand, you know, there's 
the concept of like creating new SKUs, but you kind of are somewhat limited when it's underwear, but mm-hmm. you guys do like long johns, you, you know? Yeah, the collection has, it started with two styles. It's now grown into a core collection of five styles. Okay. And with those five styles uh, ranging from uh, the, the the bestseller boxer brief to wide briefs uh, uh, to uh, boxer shorts, um, the loose fit ones. And then uh, with our Scandinavian heritage, we obviously have the long johns yeah. uh, um, that are amazing to wear when it's cold it's outside. And, winter. Yeah, yeah. No, they're great. Yeah, I, I wore them. They, they were pretty good. Yeah, They're good. Yeah, <laughs> and we have a lot of friends, and and obviously, like from business school, there were people that wear suits uh, in their daily life, and they love them because they, you know, it's not the bulky kind of um, uh, ski long johns. These yeah, are like yeah. tight. You wear them single layer, and they fit under a suit or a pair of tighter pants, which is great. Yeah. Well, so what is the your sort of your process that you guys are coming in touch with now? Because I think a lot of other companies, most of the stuff that they're doing, especially with men. And in most cases, like most menswear, you kind of find one thing and you keep going yeah. and you just stay on that brand. And it's got to be really, really hard to convert a man um, who has basically been buying the same thing for a decade. Yeah. Like, what, what are some of the stuff that you guys were seeing that's been like the most effective for you in, in sort of the conversion of that? And marketing, so yeah. you mean? Um, yeah, so that's an interesting uh, question, especially because I think that men's shopping behavior is uh, exactly what you say. Yeah. We, we we tend to ha- be um, quite skeptical to new products. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, we also tend to be very loyal to the products that we do love and the brands that we do love. Um, so I kind of think it plays to both our benefit and our disadvantage um, that... Uh, it's tricky. It's quite tricky to to convert someone to to try our product. Mm-hmm. We need to expose uh, ourselves to them more than once, or or you know, in more contact places. But, and that's why uh, whole, traditional wholesale has been important for us. But uh, when we get someone to try our product, when we see that they come to our website and buy one pair or two pairs, uh, we see that we have a very high returning customer rate, and they come back and they buy. Our uh, our um, our very successful nine pack, for example, and uh, or they come back and they buy even more. We had a guy last week that bought um, even sixty five <laughs> pairs, sixty five pairs. We had, yeah. we had a feature in Financial Times how to spend it, and that we then these guys always show up for, from all over the world, and he, he uh, yeah, I think he, he wanted he to purchase for fifteen hundred dollars. Wow! Uh, so he really like. <laughs> we did upgrade. We we have this. We instant. We say upgrade your drawer, and he really upgraded his drawer. Uh, his underwear drawer did a full, did a full, <laughs> full makeover. Yeah. So in the communication, we started to talk more about that. So you know, less less about being a singular product that you buy, and more about um, sorting out your underwear drawer. Everyone has or have had a terrible underwear drawer with just a range and mix of this and that style. Yeah. And um, actually, Tom Ford once said um, that, you know, uh, he gave some rules for men's fashion. It's like the one thing men should need to do is to every six months or so uh, change up your underwear and sock drawer. Like, yeah, switch out everything. Yeah, you know, just switch out everything. Which is true because I think... Yeah, I mean, I have some underwear. Like when I first met you and I, I was talking to you guys, like I was like, how old is some of my underwear? And I have stuff that I was like, oh yeah, this is like five years old. Mm. And I was like, how do I have underwear that's five years old? And, you know, and it was just, but it, I think, yeah, I mean, what you were talking about earlier in terms of priorities, like for me, when I had money, I was like, oh, I'm going to buy a, a shirt or something. But like switching and changing my underwear has been kind of nice i'm not gonna lie <laughs> no it's it is nice and i and i guess for many guys it's it's not a priority until you start to understand that um a product that you wear as first layer it can actually make you feel better each morning yeah and, and um it's also uh, the product that or the, the garment that you wear the longest most amount of hours in the day yeah so that's not to neglect quality I mean, on that garment is, is yeah. worth the investment and that's what we feel you know a you, lot of men are feeling right now you put it on first in the morning you take it off last or it's, for some people they you know they even sleep in underwear so you wear it 24 7 you know so yeah. it is what you important. said some people they even sleep in underwear uh, i sleep without underwear you sleep without underwear? I mix it up a bit. Flex. I mix it up a bit. <laughs> we, get, we get feedback from, from some customers, and we love that. That say they put them on in the morning, like they talk about the long jumps because it's cold. Yeah. But they yeah. keep them on because it feels so nice. I mean, when they get home, so they like walk around in long jumps at home. Uh, and that kind of behavior, we haven't really, I don't think men normally do that with underwear. No, I actually, all winter, I slept, I took my underwear off and slept in the long jumps. Because mm. I was like, I don't, yeah, it was super it, nice. Yeah. And it also, look, this is not a claim that's backed by science or anything, but like the, 
you know, because they felt a little bit like kind of compression tights. Mm-hmm. So after any runs or anything I had, for some reason, it, it did feel a little bit better on my legs, like after I had worked out by just having very like, you know, compressed mm-hmm. stuff th- throughout the entire time. But yeah, it's definitely cozy. Yeah, I agree. It is cozy. Yeah. So oh, are these customers that you're acquiring, because you're, again, your, your visual story and language is so strong. And I saw some of your guys' stuff on Instagram, I think maybe even before we met. Are you, are, is it Instagram, is that one of your, your largest sort of customer acquisition areas or is that? Um, it, it's definitely really important to us. Um, yeah. And we've tried to, to extend our communication to not only be uh, guys in underwear. We also try to take this idea that um, our portrayal of masculinity, uh, we, sometimes we do collaborations or portraits of men that really inspire us. And we've done some really exciting collaborations. Uh, one with a film director called Jonas Ockland that we mentioned early on. Uh, there's a film uh, on our website about him. We've done a portrait of Sting a, f- a couple of weeks ago. Um, we've also done a full product collaboration with um, with an artist called Tom of Finland. So Wait, let, let me jump to Sting real quick. Sure. <laughs> how, how did that happen? Because it wasn't, I, I saw the video, it was great, but like it wasn't Sting sitting in a chair being like, hey, what's up? You know, I like this underwear. It's great. Like you were following him around his house. Was it in Italy? Italy. Yeah, yeah, in Italy, yeah. What, what, how, does, how does that happen? Um, very organically, and I think the benefit of me uh, having had another career before venturing into um, uh, shaping this brand and telling stories within this brand is that I, I have contacts and people I've met and worked with. Um, and, um, and we also... So, so obviously, I, I reach out to everyone I know, <laughs> but- asking if they want to uh, you know, try our product. And, and a lot of people are really positive to trying it out. And when they try it out, and I've been fortunate that a lot of people really like it, I try to ask them if I, if, if I can get help from them, you know? So this was a really genuine thing. I, I asked Sting if I could make a little film portrait of him talking about masculinity more so than the product. And right, he, was, right. uh, he was really happy to do so. So that was cool. So just as a side note from my, you know, I, I wasn't in the music industry that long, but like Sting, and this, there's no shots against Sting here, but he is, um, he's one of those artists who, he already made it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. there's there's very few things that he can do that's like going to elevate himself further because he was in, in my opinion, one of the greatest bands of all time, the police. Mm. Um, He played with one of the greatest drummers of all time, Stuart Copeland. But like, you know, this is a guy who kind of already made it. And when you when you think about how some of these brands or artists, at least that I was working with. For them, it was like, oh, this is going to be a mutual gain. I'm aligning with this brand. Mm. I'm going to get this massive exposure. But like Sting, he's already like, this dude must have really, really liked you or your, or your product. I mean, it's, it's just a massive deal to work with someone of that big that is just like, it's yeah. just fun for him. Yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think the, the, the thing here is, is, is about building a brand. And, and we, we, me and Andreas, we don't look at uh, creating a brand we we look at it as telling little stories um so we have right. this product and and the product is the first layer uh, product and we think that the portrayal of masculinity is something that hasn't been done right in this in our segment of the world <laughs> men's underwear so we want to change that and by doing so we can do our part in in portraying masculinity a little bit better or more exciting and and a bit more inspiring so we try to do our our part by telling little beautiful stories of of cool men that that we come across and everything is generally very very authentic so we met sting we asked if we could do a little portrait of him and he was cool with that so you know thanks to him and and uh, that's really nice of him and i also think that he said some really great things about masculinity in this little video yeah um and that's the little kind of snack bites we'd love to to be able to do um with our brand and to use it as a platform or of um making a little change which that's that's it's awesome. That's really incredible. So, I mean, as you guys grow, like, what does success look like for you? Because for me, it sounds more like success is changing the perspective of individuals versus, oh, we want to be a half a billion dollar brand. Like, what? I think first and foremost, I mean, you have to have a, um, you have to be passionate about creating a great, great product, whatever business you're in, whatever service you're in. And we are super passionate about creating a great, great product. Uh, that's the core. Secondly, um, I think that, um, as a brand nowadays, you, you need to do more than a product. You need to have a 
uh, an opinion or a tone of voice and and a um, and a and a I guess a little bit of a bigger meaning. If you don't, I I see quite a few brands that are so product focused that they they lose the idea of telling a story or to to have a tone of voice and and I feel I feel like a lot of them actually get lost. Um, mm. They just kind of disappear in this kind of haze of so many new brands that are founded today and they're all so product oriented that that you forget about them. Um, so I think that's 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 always been something important for me and Andreas to to actually have a have a little story to tell with our brand. Yeah, I think the thing that's that's also cool about something like underwear and what you guys are doing it's not it's not really anything that's hype based. So, you know, your it feels to me that like your growth is is really organic and normal versus oh, you know what we had I don't know, we had you know Kanye West wear our mm. stuff and then we're big and then all of a sudden Kanye West doesn't wear it anymore and now we're not like mm. this is <laughs> yeah the the, the the challenge for yeah. us is that you know we have some really prominent people in the world um well uh, I'm, I'm they're wearing sure. our product but we can't you know we they're not seen in the press wearing it because it's always hidden yeah <laughs> so that's a challenge for us but i think that's to your it could, yeah it's, it's helpful to say, you because yeah you, you're not getting yeah you're not in the hype cycle. Yeah, like no. you're just going to continue building your brand very steadily. Absolutely. And so, what started as men's underwear uh, now also includes socks. Um, we we we've, we were very sure that this was going to be just underwear, but as we've grown along and in close dialogue with our customers um, or our friends, I would call them. So a lot of them we have continuous contact with. We've now ventured also into swimwear, so we're super excited to launch our full swimwear campaign for this season. Dude, that's huge. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Super exciting. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's also collaboration. Yeah, but, but we, we try to apply this same ideas that we've done with the underwear of not being in the hype loop, as you say. Yeah. Um, we're not a fashion brand. We are a, a brand that works with essentials and we try to create great products with this uh, idea of uh, of sustainability in mind. Um, so the the socks that we developed last year, that they're all made from bamboo. It's a natural derived fiber, super, super nice and has all the benefits over regular socks. Um, we do the same for the swimwear. The swimwear is made of of Econile. It's a it's a nylon um, source from uh, um, regenerated ocean plastic waste. Really? Yeah. So it's a fantastically cool material um, and a really nice product. So uh, we keep kind of it's doing the same of, thing. And, fishnets. Yeah. Fishnets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds crazy, but it's a it's a really nice fabric. And so really so we well. don't we don't want to do a full full <sighs> kind of collections of clothing, but we are really passionate about these kind of uh, essential products that we. Feel are the ones that we would pack along on our trips, uh, and we take it kind of step by step and very organically. As as we kind of start to wrap up here, like is so much of a lot of the stuff that it feels that it was kind of driving the foundational base of your product has to be that it is sustainable, mm-hmm. that it is something that is Absolutely. you know, I mean, because fashion, the the fashion business in whole as a whole is a very, very large contributor mm. to just waste mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. of the world. Is, is that like ethos and, and idea that you guys have? Do you carry that out through a lot of the other stuff that you do and create like just personally? I mean, look, it's, you know, it's, it's a, I think for a new brand, you just have to deal with that kind of stuff, and you have yeah. to be passionate and genuine about the product that you that you create and the mark that you make on the world. Right. And we try to take as much res- responsibility as we can. However, we're not a you know organic brand that that say that every single thing that we do is organic. That's not our concept, but we t- really try to genuinely be passionate about making as little mark on the world as possible and caring about the product and the packaging and and everything that we do. But, you know, let's face it, we're, you know, we're ordering things from Mr. Porter across the world. We, you know, we we fly, you know, we we do many wrong things, but when it comes to sourcing the the fabrics that we work with in every product that we do, we of course we take it for granted that they have to be sustainable. Like that's that goes without saying that. And I think every brand should have that ethos when they create new product. Like we all have that responsibility. Yeah, I mean, because I think that's really, really great because a lot of the brands that are starting out now, for them, it's just like, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend, you know, 
$5,000 advertising on Instagram. I'm going to make a shop on like big cartel or whatever. Mm. And then I'm just going to make these t-shirts that I bought in wherever that there's no sort of fair trade or labor practices or anything like that. Mm. And that's, it's tough because I feel like the younger consumer now, I mean, at least myself, like I'm trying to be a little bit more like aware of the mark I'm making on the world. So, are, yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and the great thing is that it's just the last one or two years, we've really seen a change in that attitude, I feel. And we we try to do our best. Look, we can we can do better. Our band can do better. But we still... at, at the most important thing is the intention and the ambition is there to to be better and to get better. And that's what I we do. I also think it's important to show as a new brand um, that this is what you need to do. So, yeah. the, so the other brands that are not doing it, like the older brands need to pay attention to that because some most of them aren't. Yeah, I mean, but I think that's that's also why not only, I mean, I really like your products, but I believe in your brand because it's something that is much larger and you're, you guys are, like you were saying, like this is a foundational part that you're doing is that like we want to make products that are sustainable mm -hmm. on this. I mean, there's so many companies out there where they're like, yeah, I guess we should start caring about that. But it's like, but yeah, I don't know, you know? So I, that, I mean, that means to be honest, the most to me that you guys are actually trying to, sure, you're going to make new products, but it has to be something that is sustainable. I think it's also easy if you start like that. Yeah. yeah, instead of sure. just trying to change a big, big company, right? Because like we have it as one of our you know core values, and and we don't you know we don't have to speak about it internally. Anyone in our company knows that we can't start doing anything if it's not going to be sustainable, or if we reduce the amount of waste that the most we can. Right. So we don't really have to like change anything. We start like that, and it's like part of the part of the culture. That's and, awesome. And I think new brands today, um, I really like that new brands are fair. You know, it's just like a fairness towards the customer. And I think that you can't have bullshit anymore. Like you can't <laughs> bullshit people. Like no, it has true. to be fair. People are very savvy on what they... People are very savvy. You in. have to be transparent. Like mm -hmm. where do you make your products? What's it made from? Um, and even what's your margins? Like I think our... Uh, the pricing that we have it's it's i mean we're we're a, we're a premium brand we're mm -hmm. you know we we make a premium product um and we charge for it but i think our pricing is very fair and i think that's another thing that's like you know a lot of these kind of um hyped streetwear brands the pricing is just completely crazy <laughs> and you know it's fine for some products but i guess sure but but for me i, I like fair pricing i mean if i buy something that is generally done with, with craftsmanship etc you have to pay for it and as long as it's fair. Right. We had a couple of meetings in the last week where people said you could charge more money for this. You know, made in Portugal, in La Yosel. We're like, maybe. But, you know, as Christian says, it's fair pricing. Like, we want to give the customer good value for their money. Yeah. That's great. That's really sick. Now you guys are doing a subscription. Yes. For... Clothes. Uh, well, for underwear. For underwear. underwear and socks. Yeah, we see that we have such a high uh, returning customer rate. Uh, the people that come back and, and, and buy the same style or the same product. So we want to automate that and make it easier, easier for the customer. Um, so we're launching a subscription service where you basically um, put it on autopilot to, to stock up your underwear drawer and keep it fresh. Does it go, what, every... It depends. You can choose uh, every three months is the standard. That's pretty dope. What... Oh, okay. For it's, men that never want to buy underwear again, it's like, it's done. It's done. <laughs> yeah. Sorted, taken care of. Yeah, that's, that's sick. All right, well, awesome. Guys, it was, it was great that we got to chat. I really, really appreciate this. Um, yeah, we'll chat again soon. Thanks a lot. Thank you so Thank much you for so having much. us. It's yeah. been great. All right, later. You've been listening to Blamo. Our theme music is by Tan Lines. If you like the show, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow along with us on Instagram at Blamo Podcast or email us at info at blamopod.com. Want to know more about what's going on in fashion, menswear, or just meet other folks? Join our Slack group. It's a private chat group online where tons of other Blamo listeners chat about, well, almost everything. Just send us an email saying, hey, I want to join the Slack and we'll get you in. See you soon. <laughs>